ESPN's Dave Pash on the podcast, Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. If you're listening to this, you know that the Jazz are one of the hottest teams in the NBA. 11-4 over the last 15 games. Wins over the Mavericks, Heat, Sixers, Bucks. They're playing unreal right now. November Jazz, don't get that win on Monday against the Bucks. Their equipment manager isn't on NBA today. It's an outrageous turnaround. They've become a team. People have accepted roles. I was on radio post game and I was talking about how it has been impressive to see Colin Sexton accept a role and accept that he doesn't have to go 100 miles per hour every single game. Understanding pace, understanding exactly what they need to do to get wins. Play hard and pass. It can be pretty simple. Another podcast coming out this week, Howard Beck on Friday. But tonight's an ESPN game, Jazz Nuggets. So I caught up with ESPN's Dave Pash. Five stars, nice reviews, that's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Do a little history on his broadcast partners, because he works with Bill Walton, Hubie Brown, J.J. Redick. He works with a bunch of people, and we bounce across all those experiences. He actually started his career in Chicago, talk radio, during the last dance era, during the 90s jazz. So naturally, that's where I started. Here he is, ESPN's Dave Pash. What I understand, your last years in Chicago were during the last dance era. Can we bring back my hair? That would uh, provide <laughs> for, for the 90s uh, to have my, my full head of hair back. Um, yeah, that was uh, obviously a great time for the jazz. You mentioned um, that I was in Chicago. I was working for a sports radio station then. I was doing some stuff for the Blackhawks, but I was hosting a, a nightly four-hour talk show uh, with uh, a couple other people, and uh, during that time, yeah, it was it was it was all about the Bulls. It was all about the Last Dance, and it really was about what would come next. Would uh, you know Jordan? Obviously, everybody assumed was done. What would happen with Pippen? What would happen with you know everybody connected to that that team? And obviously, the way that ended for Utah wasn't how people wanted it to end out there in Salt Lake, but. Obviously, that's one of the great uh, series that that I remember, and it definitely sticks in my mind among the, the the best finishes. And I guess when you have Michael Jordan hitting the game winning shot, it's understandable why it would stick with you. What was the thought of those Jazz teams from a Chicago perspective? Uh, you know, I just I think there was there was a great respect for the toughness, and you know just. Hearing stories since of you know Carmelo in particular and the type of injuries that he would play through, and I'm I'm glad that load management seems to be a thing of the past in the NBA. I love what Adam Silver did holding teams accountable for playing guys because you know to think about when Jordan played and Malone and Stockton, you just look at their games played. I mean, 
it was almost every night, right? It was rare that Jordan missed a game or Malone or Stockton, and those guys would play through injuries that, you know, nowadays with sideline guys, and some of it was you didn't you maybe know as much about certain injuries and, a, you know, a time frame for a knee injury was longer back then than it is now with medical improvements and scientific enlightenment. But I think overall, there was a toughness about that Utah team that, uh, you know, everybody knew. When you were playing the Jazz, we all talked about the bad boys in that era, but Utah was tough, and you knew that going to Salt Lake, that was a tough place to play. You were going to be on the opposing team, and I think that's still the case. That's why it's one of the great places to do a game because the fans are into it, man. They love their Jazz, and they hate the other team, and you know, I think when done constructively and positively, it's, it, it's a great environment. Have you leaned on that talk radio experience doing your own podcast now? Um, a little bit. Yeah. The, the podcast is pretty much guest oriented. I don't do a whole lot of talking. It's pretty much just asking questions and trying to get, you know, conversational. Uh, it's not, you know, I can't say that I'm a huge fan of it, to be honest. It's, it's a little challenging <laughs> to get the guests and, you know, I get to do a lot of that, even though it's through the team, the Cardinals obviously help with, uh, with Cardinals people, um, in PR department and all that. But in terms of me getting guests, that that's challenging. Obviously you've got to do that JP. So you know what that's about. And, you know, just try to stay, uh, you know, every, there's so many podcasts now. So how do you differentiate yourself or your podcast? And, you know, I think one of the things I've tried to do with the Cardinals is we're trying to get guests that have a connection either to the team or that have no connection, but that somehow, we weave in the Cardinals into the discussion. I had Damian Lillard on last year going into the Cardinals Raiders game. And obviously there was a connection there. Dame is a huge Raiders fan. And so he was kind enough to come on and that was fun. Uh, so try to keep it different and unique, but it is, it's a challenge. You know, JJ Radical I'm working with on, on the jazz game Wednesday. I mean, he's a great podcast host and obviously he's getting elite guests every game. I mean, JJ picks up the phone and makes a call and, you know, they're doing these in-person podcasts and doing a lot of them. And you know, he was the first player, I think. He and Richard. Richard had, you know, a podcast as well when he was playing. But those are really the two guys that, as athletes, at least in the NBA space, really created uh, that the huge podcast following. But Dave, don't sell yourself short. You have some pretty good uh, broadcast partners from all your work around the NBA, around the league, in college basketball even. I wasn't planning on asking about him, but Bill Walton, I'm sure, will pop on and give you 50 minutes uninterrupted after asking one question. Oh, yeah. No, we've had Bill on. And, then, yeah, we've tried to, to get pretty pretty good guests. Our, our guests, I would say, if you looked at the list of them, you know, for the most part, they're, they're A-level guests. We had Charles Barkley on earlier this season. Yep. Ken Wisenhunt, who was the Cardinals head coach when they went to the Super Bowl. He's now at Alabama, so uh, he came on uh, talk about it. Bama a little bit, making the playoff, and then you know reliving some of the Super Bowl days. But oh yeah, Walden's been on, and it, you're right, it was I think one one or two questions, and he just started telling stories about Will Chamberlain throwing a football underhand ninety yards on a beach, and some wild stories like that. I think I caught the some sort of Pac-12 tournament that you guys were on RIP the Pac-12. I wonder how he's taking it, but some Pac-12 tournament men's basketball game, and he was going off about the fates of the world colliding here in Las Vegas, and I love listening to it. He's a tremendous 
a watch after dark when you're watching the Pac-12? What is it like to experience broadcasting-wise on your end? Well, that's every game. The fate of the known world is at hand. You know, he'll he'll make that known. It's fun. I mean, it's challenging in, in some respects, but it's a lot of fun. It's rewarding. He's he's really, you know, a wonderful guy. And, um, you know, we, we obviously on the air, it's a, a dynamic that's probably not for everybody. Uh, I think, you know, I try to, and I, you know, I, I, I think Bill does keep it, you know, it, you don't want to sacrifice documenting the game, but, um, you know, Bill will get off on tangents, but usually his storytelling, uh, is, is related to the game. I mean, he does prepare, he does talk to players and coaches and get good information. I, I think, you know, that's what people want. They want the players to be humans and to learn about them. And I think Bill does a good job with that. Uh, and obviously he'll tie in something to do with the school or the city. And, you know, I know he loves doing games in Boulder. We're there this weekend um, for a Colorado game. So it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, he treats it like, I think he's playing, you know, he, he sits there before the game and he has his routine of stretching and eating protein bars and, and taking energy chews to get him psyched up as if he were playing. It's uh, it's pretty fun to watch. And it's fun to see the transition because it's going to be 90s night. We've watched a couple of the 90s games where Bill's on those calls. And to see how fun and how loose he is, even back then, to see where it is now. The evolution, you could see the little seeds of him being this person even back then. Well, he, he, you know, when he was doing the NBA and on the finals, and actually my first NBA games in 2006 were with Bill. He claims that never happened. Uh, <laughs> I do have proof that uh, I was with him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, you know, it's interesting. During COVID, I got a text from Bob Costas, and we were kind of chatting about Walton. And he said, you know, if you have some spare time, and obviously then we all had spare time, go back and watch the Open from, I think it was – the first Lakers championship. It was game seven of the conference finals. I think Portland Lakers game seven. And uh, he said, go watch the open. And so I did, I found it and it's bill basically challenging Shaquille O'Neal uh, in a way that is, you know, refreshing. Like a lot, you don't see it a ton today. He was right. I mean, Shaq went on, had a great game. They won it. They won three in a row, but it was really cool to see, him as a professional broadcaster yet still have that bill touch to it um i mean he was he was great i grew up you know watching him and snapper jones and tom hammond on nbc you know him doing the malice at the palace with mike breen he was on the call for that and you know, i think bill he has a great range i think one of the college one of the things that a college game does that maybe the NBA doesn't provide for him is a, is a chance really to bring out the stories in the players because most fans don't know the players. The NBA, you pretty much know everybody is. College is different. So I think it's provided a new avenue for him to, to do what he loves to do, and that's to investigate people and tell their stories. He has the most iconic uh-oh ahead of John Stockton's shot to send the Utah Jazz to the NBA Finals. So... He's definitely in jazz lore. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders 
Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jacks. You look at the Jazz coming into this Nuggets game on Wednesday. What is the national view and the biggest thing that you're keying in on ahead of this broadcast? They're a team to be reckoned with, a team on the rise. They've won 8 of 10. You know, they got off to that four start, 7 and 16. But since, they've been healthy, obviously. They're playing better on the road. I mean, to win back-to-back Philly and Milwaukee, I know that each team didn't have a key player. But still, uh, they're they're offensively dangerous and you know it's interesting now it seems like well hardy's got his lineup and his rotation and they're playing really well and you've got some teams you know in the six to ten range in the west that are question marks you know what's going on with the lakers what's going on with the suns so i I think utah can can get in there they can they can make the playoffs they're only a game out i think in the loss column from that last spot to be in the play-in tournament. And again, they're they're playing great. I mean, I think their margin for error is slim. You know, they need to be healthy. You could say that probably about every team, though. And I just – I look at their roster and, you know, Lowry Markinen, a guy that I saw when he was at Arizona, I think you saw glimpses of this. He was, a, you know, a terrific shooter and obviously physical. Uh, you know, just for whatever reason in Chicago early on, maybe it was the system, maybe who was playing with or playing for. But, you know, at the time I thought, man, I maybe, you know, he's just not that good. But now you're seeing it. I mean, the last year obviously was great. And then the start of this year went healthy. He, he's a great player. I, I think, you know, the addition of Collins is big. Uh, you look at uh, Keontae George and that draft pick, and he's playing really well. So, I like their team a lot, and you know they they have several home games to make up. They played I think five more road games and home games, so they got some home games to make up. And as you know, they're they're great at home. So I'm really interested to watch them the second half of the season. What have you seen from Lowry Markinen as he's continued to impress the league? But now this year, you can't say it's a fluke. He's the top of everybody's scouting report, and he's still putting up pretty big numbers. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, when I you know when he was at Arizona, you you saw you saw it, you saw the ability to shoot, you saw the ability to, you know, to rebound, and to your point, to do it a second straight year, you know, on a team that is in contention for the playoffs. Where last year, I guess they were in contention. You finish eight games under, you're you're in the mix there for a while. Um, I just I like their team, I like their direction, and Will Hardy clearly is a good coach. Uh, the time that he spent in Boston and San Antonio served him well. And, you know, I'm not saying that they're perfect and, you know, maybe there's still some tweaks they need to make. It, that That is one thing that's interesting is is if they keep playing well with this group, do they look to to make a move to try to get – I mean, they're, they're starting backcourt. You know, is that good enough to, to get you into the playoffs? Now, it might be, um, but is that something you want to look at? Um, do they want to mess with the chemistry they have right now? Uh, their bench has played great. I think their bench is 
probably one of the better ones in the league right now, especially in the West. I mean, that's Phoenix's problem. Uh, that's, you know, the Lakers issue. They, they just don't have great benches, but that's not a problem for Utah. Who's the best team that you've seen live this year? Oh, had Boston, uh, Boston would, yeah. would be the answer. Yeah. Um, I think the addition that they made, the moves that they've made were the right moves. And I, I have a hard time seeing anybody beat them four times. Um, you know, to come back, I did the conference finals last year to watch them come back uh, for ESPN Radio, watch them come back, and then Tatum get hurt early in the game of game seven. You wonder, you know, had he not got hurt, do they win that game at home? What happens then in the finals against Denver? Uh, I don't know that they were good enough to beat Denver. They probably weren't. Uh, but I, right now, would have to say they're the favorite in the East, and I have a hard time saying they're the favorite to win it all because I still think Denver, you, you have to say they're the team to beat when, you know, they're they're whole and they're they're pretty much whole right now with Jamal Murray back. Jokic continues to impress, and now Jamal Murray seems poised to make an all-star appearance this year. Yeah, he's missed a lot of games. Uh, it will be interesting to see if he gets in as a reserve. I don't think he'll get in as a yeah, starter. Not as a starter, no. You know, missed 14 games. You know, he's kind of on the cusp now of having enough games played to, to make an all-NBA team which he should be in contention for. He's a great player, and it's time for him to get some recognition. Uh, you know, I think that the fact that Michael Porter has played in every game, that's a little bit of an upset based on his injury history. Uh, Aaron Gordon, is not he hasn't had the year that he had last year when you could have made an all-star case for him. Obviously, they lost some key bench players. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see as time goes on if that bench is good enough. You know, Bruce Brown was great for them in the playoffs. Uh, Reggie Jackson's playing really well. Peyton Watson is playing well. Uh, and the West is deep. You know, is Minnesota that, you know, is Minnesota the best team? I don't know. You know, will Golden State figure it out? Will the Lakers figure it out? Um, will Phoenix figure it out? There's there's a lot of unknowns still in the West. But I think, I think if you're a Utah, you feel pretty good about who you are right now, that you, you maybe have found an identity and that if, they can, you know, win their games at home, considering they have a bunch more home games to come, uh, that they have a great chance to have a winning record and to get into the play-in tournament. Who handles the sideline interview with coaches tomorrow? Oh, for, for this game, Andrea Carter is our... Uh, oh, sorry. okay. So there's not going to be a, a coin toss for the Greg Popovich. No. No? No. Yeah, those are the days. Now we have a reporter, I think, every game. Yeah, there was a stretch there where we would not have reporters so the play-by-play or analyst would have to get up and, and go do that and I, I don't miss that that especially if it was a pop game because all you did was if you had him at the end of the first quarter all you did the final four minutes was think about okay what questions can I ask that won't get me in trouble and you stopped focusing as much on the game so this is much better Dave Pash with Greg Popovich. Coach, what would you like about your defense in the third quarter? Uh, not much. Not even early in the quarter? You didn't like your defense? Not much. All right, what about offensively? Two questions. That was two questions. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, you did your homework. I'm, I'm surprised you actually watched that. But so we told him beforehand we were going to do that. And so we gave him a heads up. 
I think he was having fun with it a little bit. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't an act, but at the same time, because I, I, if I recall correctly, John looked over to him as I was coming back to the table and he kind of put his thumbs up towards John, like I, I got him kind of thing. I mean, he, I think Pop was playing along a little bit. Right. He was set, you got set up on that occasion. I mean, a little bit. I mean, we just told him what we were doing and piloting, right. you know, was, was, now he may have done that anyway. You know, it's two questions, right? He may have said that anyway, uh, even though I was just trying to clarify the first question, uh, which probably was dumb on my part. I probably should have just moved on to a whole new question, knowing he wasn't going to answer it. We've all asked dumb questions, and I, I'm sure I will ask dumb questions in the future. Tell me what it's like to broadcast with somebody like that, like Hubie, who is so respected in the basketball community. He's When you talk to people about five-star basketball camp, the first person they bring up is Hubie Brown. If you, you want to know anything about basketball, listen to that man speak. What's it like to be his broadcast partner? Yeah, you know, Hubie, I, the best part, I think, for for Hubie and certainly a part that I enjoy as much as the games is spending time with Hubie off the air, uh, having dinner the night before and listening to some of the great stories that Hubie has. You just the fact that he coached Kareem and Oscar Robertson together, um, the, the players that he coached in Memphis. I mean, he's got just and his, I think, relationships and the way he teaches the game. I mean, I'm still learning stuff. It is amazing that at, at age 90, when the light goes on and we're on television, he still breaks the game down like a coach and still teaches and still is on top of it, sees everything. Uh, it has, you know, he, he still takes, when we get score sheets at timeouts, he still takes it, circles certain things, writes certain things down. And I, you know, there's a, there's a method to the madness that, uh, you know, I've always wanted to ask him. There's certain, you know, he's got, we all have like a chart or a board in front of us, kind of like an open book test you would have when you're calling a game. And, you know, he's got these notes with writing that only he can read, but it's, a, uh, you know, I, there, there are certain things that he does in a game that are, you know, when it comes to statistics, they were important to him as a coach. So, you know, he's a great storyteller, but also a great teacher and, you know, has a way of looking at stats uh, and presenting stats to the viewer that make them easy to understand. Are you shocked at how connected he is to today's game? You know, it could go two ways with someone who coached so long ago where they don't appreciate what's on the floor now. Is it shocking how how much love he has for this sport that it still stays on even into his 90s? No, no, it's not surprising. I mean, he he watches so many games. You know, he's so dialed in. Uh, he has an appreciation for, you know, the athletic ability of certain players that maybe, you know, weren't around when he got into the NBA 50 years ago. Now, he, he has a great understanding and appreciation for the game and how it's changed and coaching and how maybe coaching's changed in some ways. Uh, I mean, you think about when he coached, he had one assistant. Now they got, you know, 10. <laughs> Exaggerating, but it, it's, you know, you get the idea. Um, and I think that to him is, you know, he's he understands how you break things down from a head coach and your one assistant, and then maybe how it works now with an expanded staff. Um, you know, just his ABA experience, all that he he remembers and knows about the game has 
and it has not passed him by at all. I mean, he's still just as sharp and has just as great of understanding of today's NBA as he did what he got in. Looking forward to the next Hubie Dave Pash game, but tomorrow night it is going to be Jazz and Nuggets on ESPN. He is Dave Pash. Thank you so much for taking time to stop by Round Ball Roundup. You're welcome, JP. Hopefully we'll see you at the game. We will, and um, maybe wear a wig to go back into your 90s groove. <laughs> I'll just borrow your hair. How's that sound? You can have it. It's very thick. <laughs>